Okay, well, let's get into the Word then. Since they started my clock already. Yeah, the clock still works. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Nothing else is working, but they got my clock working. They're going to make sure I get done on time, right? Hey, uh, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 13, that's where we're going to be. If you've got your Bibles, your iPads, your phones. If not, it's going to be up here on the screen. That'll, that'll be all right. But um, before we get there, uh, would you indulge me in a, in a little uh, exercise? Not, not like physical exercise. I know that would scare a lot of you. But uh, we're going we're gonna to do something. We're going to do something kind of silly. Can you see that? Can anybody see that? You know what that is? That's right. That's, a, that's not my tithe, Pastor Sam. So. That's a $100 bill. How many of you would like this $100 bill? All right. If you would like this $100 bill, stand up. If you got a pocket full of them and you don't need it, just sit down. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the thing is, you have to qualify to win the $100 bill. Okay? You have to qualify. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a, a series of questions just really quickly. If you cannot answer yes to all of these questions, just sit down, okay? And whoever's left standing gets the $100 bill. Um, first thing is that uh, if you weren't born in the state of Texas, you don't qualify, sorry. Oh, sit down. <laughs> um, uh, if you're not a man, you don't qualify. Oh, don't stone me. Don't stone me. <laughs> um, if you didn't grow up in a Christian home, you don't qualify. If uh, you are a fan of Texas A&M or the Oklahoma Sooners, you definitely do not qualify. In fact, the, the ushers will be moving you out of the building. Because no Aggies or Sooners are getting my $100 bill. Uh, okay, so just remain standing. I'm going to run through a, just a list of these. If you can say yes to every one of them and not be lying, then you can have the $100 bill. Well, that's between you and God. You can get my $100 bill. Let's put it that way. Uh, okay, if you can name... All 66 books of the Bible in order. Genesis through Revelation, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. If you can go all the way down to Revelation, you still qualify. If, <laughs> if you have read your Bible every day for the past year, you qualify. If you have given 10% of all of your paychecks, you qualify. Man, we cut y'all out quick. I had a whole nother list of them. See, I was, I, I was expecting Brother Walker to continue to stay. I had to just get deeper and deeper and deeper 
into it. So, I mean, you guys missed uh, stuff like if you've never seen a musical so many times that you now sing all the lyrics. You had to sit down on that one because that's annoying to me. I'm sorry. And um, if you do not currently or have never owned a minivan or never even ridden in one, you would still qualify. So what's the problem here? Nobody qualified, right? Nobody qualified. None of you qualified. None of you are good enough. You should have known all the rules, and you should have just lived all these rules so you would be worthy of the $100. How does that make you feel? Kind of, right? Well, you know what? When Jesus showed up on the scene, that's kind of the way the, the religious atmosphere was. There were a lot of rules. There were a lot of regulations. Not only were there the Old Testament rules and laws that God had set in place, but there were also the traditions of men that had been layered on top of that. We're talking hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of rules, laws, regulations, and traditions that people were expected to live daily. But nobody could. They had professional people that went around and told everybody how bad you're missing it. If you're in a church and you have a pastor that that's what he does, that's not what he's supposed to be doing. You see, Jesus, this, this glorious rule breaker, I love Jesus. Because he shows up on the scene and he is not very interested in the traditions of men. He's not very interested in all the rules and the regulations that men say that you are supposed to follow and be. He keeps to just very few. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, Jesus... Bless you. In fact, Jesus did not come preaching about man's kingdom, about man's rules. He came preaching about the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' first sermon was actually about the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 4, 17, it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, Jesus was not saying, get right or get left. Anybody remember that from back in the day? Anybody as old as I am? Yeah, thank you. I got one hand back there. Got two hands. There used to be bumper stickers, T-shirts that say, get right or get left. In other words, get right with God or you're going to get left. And that's not what Jesus was talking about. When Jesus says repent, sometimes we have this idea that, that uh, when you hear the word repent, what, what Jesus was saying was, hey, there's something wrong with you. You need to ask for forgiveness. But that's not what the word repent means. The word repent literally means to change the way that you think. 
So when Jesus is saying, change the way that you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand, what is he really saying? Change the way that you think. Repent. Change the way that you think about the kingdom of heaven. Because sometimes we also think the kingdom of heaven is someplace that we'll go after we die, right? But why would Jesus say the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Something that could be grasped, something that could be taken. If it's something that we can only have when we get to heaven. So he's saying, think differently about the kingdom. You got that? Think differently about the kingdom. He wasn't saying think differently about rules. Don't think differently about measuring up. He's saying experience God differently because the real kingdom is here. Kingdom is not someday. It is right now. But our job is to help bring heaven to earth. Do you believe that you have a part of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth? When Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, what did he tell them? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done when we get to heaven. That's not what he said, is it? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Here, now, not when we get there. Thank God we're, we're, we're going there. If you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what he has done. He has prepared a way for you to go to the Father. But I'm not planning on dying right now. So I'm living here. I'm not waiting on some glad morning when this life is o'er. It's here. It's now. The kingdom is now. So, are you at Matthew chapter 13? Okay. We're going to look at out of, out of uh, chapter 13 there. There are several parables that Jesus gives in just real quick uh, succession about the kingdom. He says the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And we're going to look at four of them. Four of these parables, and we're going to see four principles that we can learn from them. And we're going to start in verse 24. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is now full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the weed if you do. Or you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and to burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. So here's principle number one. The kingdom will grow in the weeds. 
Notice that he said, let them grow together. See, in our, our, our modern day Christian culture sometimes, we're afraid of weeds. We're afraid to get around weedy people. Right? I mean, we do everything we can to stay away from, from people whose cooties might jump off on us. Right? I mean, we, we, we go to Six Flags on Christian Family Weekend. Right? I don't know how many of you have heard the story, but uh, Roger took the youth on non-Christian Family Weekend one time. <laughs> I just happened to be there. It's all his fault. We do everything that we can to try to separate ourselves from the very world that needs us more than anything else. What we do is we take our influence and we destroy it because we refuse to engage with people right where they are. The weeds have been planted right next to where we are. And what he's saying is the kingdom of heaven is like this. Even though the kingdom of heaven is engulfing us, there may be somebody right next to me who is not being engulfed yet. And it is our job to help engulf them, not try to run away from the weeds, not try to push away from the weeds. What did the, what did the farmer say? And the farmer represents God, okay, if, if you're not catching on there. The rep it represents God. He said, do not pull them up, do not move them, let them grow together. Let them be in the same place at the same time because the weeds cannot overcome the wheat. Although sometimes we act like it will. The weeds are not going to overcome the wheat. Matthew 5, 16, and they don't have this. I put this in this morning. Totally sorry. It's a scripture that means a lot to me. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your good deeds shine for all to see. Let your good deeds shine for all to see. Now, who needs to see my good deeds? All. So all might include those weeds, right? See, we can come down here to church. You know that church is not meant to be our, our hiding place, right? Church is meant to be more like a filling station because we've been out all week being around the weeds, We've been giving to the weeds. We've been loving the weeds. We've been speaking to the weeds. We've been around them. And we come back on Sunday and we get refilled so we can go hang out with the weeds some more. Okay? That's the way, and, and let your good deeds shine. Yeah, can your good deeds shine here? Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to see your good deeds shine right here. But it said for all to see, not just for the church to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just for a few folks to see. Not for the 150 that are sitting in this room to see, but for all to see. Good. For all to see. The kingdom is meant to be seen by all. And here's the second thing I want you to see out of, out of that is they're going to burn. Let's get honest for just a second. The fact that people are missing God should compel us. 
God, once again, being the farmer, said, I'm going to leave them to the end of time. I'm going to leave them until the last days. And then when we, we reap the harvest, they're going to be set aside. And they're going to be thrown into the fire. It should absolutely change. Here's something we need to repent about. Change the way that we think about people that are outside the church, people that are outside a relationship with Jesus. When I see them and they are being exactly who they are, why do we get upset at sinners sinning? <laughs> right? They're being exactly who they are. But when we see them, our heart should be, if I don't tell them who's going to. If I'm not allowing my good deeds to shine, who is? This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's not so we can dance around wherever Hannah is. Thank you, Hannah, for the, for the, for the worship this morning. There you are. Thank you for the worship this morning. Thank you. It was great. It was wonderful. But if we're, if, if, if we're dancing in the deep, deep places, why are we doing that? I, if it's fun, Ken, I see you back there. I know you started that. Look, if we're dancing in the deep, deep places, why are we dancing in the deep waters? Why are we doing these things? Why is deep calling unto deep? So I can have a better relationship with God. Absolutely. But the whole thing is not just so you can have a better relationship with God. It's so you can have, help others have a relationship with God. So you can shine. God, I got some dirt on me this week because I was hanging out with the weeds. And I'm going to come in and I'm going to dance in your deep, deep waters because you're going to clean me off so I can go back out and I can be with them again. Amen. I think sometimes we have forgotten what it was like to be without Jesus. Because I'm not going to get into the whole story because y'all have heard it plenty of times. But I remember what it was like to be without Jesus. I remember how broken I was. I remember how hurt I was. I remember how lost and lonely I was. That's why it's so important because they're lost, they're lonely, they're hurting. If you had the answer if you had a 100% pill, medicine, whatever, that would eradicate cancer, you would be selfish to keep it to yourself. Right? So let's not keep it to ourselves. There was a song uh, right after I got saved in the, in the late 80s. There was a song that was, um, it was based on a, a sermon from William Booth, who was the man that started the Salvation Army. And the, 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 the first bit of lyrics for this song, every time it would come on, I would just cry. And I want to I read it to you just real quick. 
It says, some people want to live within the sound of chapel bells, but I want to run a mission a yard from the gate of hell. And with everyone you meet, take them the gospel and share it well. Look around you as you hesitate. Another soul just fell. Let's run to the battle. Let's run to the battle. The kingdom is best seen among the weeds. Let's be in the weeds. We could probably stop right there. (laughs) But I'm not going to. Matthew 13, verse 31. So here's another illustration that Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. It's principle number two. In the kingdom, the smallest is the greatest. In the kingdom, the smallest is is the greatest. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. God always starts small with us. I've talked to people all over the place, and, and they are just almost too good to be at church. Because that's the, that's, that's the way the Lord used to do it. Or my calling is bigger than that. You know, I've literally had people say, you know what, I'm called to the nations. And I hope that they are. I really do hope that they are. But until you get to the nations, why don't you help in kids' church? Why don't you start small? Because God always starts small. Even Jesus started small. Notice God didn't just go bang and he was here a man. He started small. He was a baby. He grew. Took him 30 years to get to the place that the Lord had for him. We want to do everything now. What if God said, hey, I got you covered in 30 years. I got a place for you in 30 years. What are you going to do for 30 years? Sit around and do nothing? Stay in the field where you're planted. Do what God has called you here, even if you're expecting him to take you somewhere else. Start where you are. And don't be afraid to do the job that nobody else wants to do. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And that might not seem so bad to us, Because most of you have probably taken a bath within the last week. 
and you wear shoes that are mostly closed, except for these women. The lowest of the lowest servant jobs in the house was washing people's feet. You have to understand that when Jesus put that apron on and started washing the disciples' feet, he was saying, I'm the lowest of the low. I'm the lowest of the low. Yeah, but I'm called up here. But you're going to start down here. It starts down here. If you're not willing to wash people's feet, God's probably not going to give you a platform for all these other things. Because guess what? The gifts and callings are without repentance. But many are called, but few are chosen. You may have the calling... But God's looking for the heart. And if you've got to wash feet, you've got to wash feet. So feet, feet, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of these people that necessarily like feet. <laughs> Just there, sorry. I appreciate, ladies, that you paint your toenails and all that type of stuff. But I don't necessarily want to see your feet. Especially if your second toe is like six inches longer than your big toe. <laughs> You walk up with your sandals on, you look like you're pointing at somebody. <laughs> Just think of these apostles' feet walking around in dirt and dust and dung and everything else, and Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. Be willing to start low. Stay in the field where you're planted. There, there's, there's a preacher that I follow out of Dallas, one of my, one of my favorite teachers. I was at a conference of his, and he said that one of, one of the, the trends that they're seeing is that people will go to two or three churches now, and they don't give or serve in any of them. That can't be here. That cannot be here. We have people that serve two and three times a month here. I'm not trying to get ugly, so I'm not going to look at anybody. He was looking at me when he said that. I'm not looking at any of you. I'm going to look at my wife. We have people that serve two or three times a month here because some of you won't serve. Because sometimes we're too busy. We got too much going on. I don't want to stand at the front door. If it wasn't for somebody, the way that somebody opened the front door the first time I ever walked through the doors at New Covenant Church, almost 14 years ago, I wouldn't be here today. You think it's small, but it's disarming people. It's taking away their excuse to not connect with God. So although it may be a small thing to you, it's a big thing in the spirit realm. It's a big thing in the kingdom. When you watch a baby in the nursery so a single mom can sit in here and be ministered to, it is a big thing. It's a big thing. Don't ever think anything is too small because we're building the kingdom together. Stay in the field where you're planted. I know I've said it like three times because I keep forgetting to get to this point. 
I understand people looking and being where God wants them. We want you to be exactly where God wants you to be. I will shock you. I do not believe everybody in Tyler, Texas is called to be at New Covenant Church. I believe more than are here are called to be here. If you're looking for a church and you, you move churches all the time, stop it. Please, stop it. It's not good for the church and it's not good for you. A plant that is transplanted over and over and over never gets an opportunity to build roots and it will never flourish. That's just a fact. I called a lawn care specialist and asked him about that before I got up here and told you that. I wanted to make sure that my assumption was true. And he confirmed. If you keep transplanting it, it will never really get roots. And it will never flourish. So be where God has planted you. Don't think that your only job is to make mustard. Listen to the scripture again at the end. It's the smallest of the seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. Its whole purpose was not just to make mustard. It was to be a place where others felt comfortable. So when you flourish in the kingdom, others benefit from it in ways that you've never even thought of. I'm going to skip my third point because of just all the craziness this morning. We're getting a little, a little long here. I should go on since I had to do the announcements myself, but that's okay. <laughs> but let me just throw this out to you. In Matthew 13, verse 34, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread, even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. And if you read a more traditional translation, I'm reading out of the, the New Living, if you read a more traditional translation, it says a woman hid three measures of flour, three measures of yeast in the flour. So here's the point. The kingdom may be hidden, but it's still infectious. Sometimes we don't see everything that is going on. We don't understand everything that God is doing with us, but it is infectious. Stay in the process. Stay where God has you. Continue to do the things that, hey, if, if you quit every time the enemy runs up and pushes back on you, you're never going to get anywhere. He's always going to be pushing back on you. He is always going to be whispering in your ear that you will never flourish, that you will never be anything, that you're never good enough, that you'll never make it. But you stay in the process because the yeast has been hidden in you. The presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been hidden in you. The goodness of God has been hidden in you. And it's infectious to all the dough. All right? That's the quick version of that. Now, verse... 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned. 
to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. So here's the fourth principle. Sell it all for the kingdom. Sell it all for the kingdom. The first century church, if you, if you read, it says that they would sell lands. And I'm not talking about going out and selling your house and all that type of stuff. It's okay if you do. We'll, t- we'll take the money. If you want to sell your house and give it to us, we'll take it. <laughs> but I'm talking in, a, in an attitude, in a lifestyle of selling everything for the kingdom. What I'm really talking about is having a missionary attitude. You're not here on this earth just to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, whatever it is that you do for a living. You can use those things for good, absolutely. Hopefully it brings you into a place where you're able to be around some weeds. But the truth is, if we had a missionary attitude, we would understand, I do this just so I can do this. I do this. This is my job. This is what I do. And the only reason I have a job is not so I can have the biggest house on the street or have the best car of everybody. Now, God does not mind you having a nice house and a nice car. But it's when the nice house and the nice car has you. There's a problem. And if we have the attitude, I do this, I go to work nine to five every day so I can come and be a greeter at the church. (laughs) So I can sow into the kingdom. Don't let this go over the top of your head. Because I'm telling you, and I'll prophesy to you right now, that there is a generation that's being arisen There is a generation that is rising up that this is their heart. What they're saying is, everything that I do, I do it for kingdom purpose. I've got to go to this job because I've got some bills that I pay, but I've go, I go to this job for no other reason than to get my bills paid because that frees me up to do kingdom work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing the heart of what I'm saying? The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. When you find something that is worth everything, are you willing to sell it all to obtain it? Are you willing to have that attitude of I'm never too old, I'm never too young to do it all for the kingdom? I never come to the place where I've done so much that I get to take time off because it's all for the kingdom. It's all for the kingdom. 
Because this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Think of the disciples. Jesus called them. Were they fishermen? Some were. Some were tax collectors. They left it to do kingdom work. They sold it all to do kingdom work. Let's have that heart and that attitude that no matter what it takes, that we're here to do kingdom work. Where's my piano player? (laughs) I guess I don't have one. Never mind. Does it play? Okay. We'll see. I guess I could have made that less awkward, couldn't I? Just act like nothing is happening. We have to have somebody play something or you won't think the end of the service is coming. Because if we don't have music, you won't know what to do. We have you trained. (laughs) Live with a missionary attitude. There was a group of people, they were called the Moravians. They came out of Germany, the, uh, the area of Germany called Moravia. And they got so full of Jesus... Many of them were royalty, but they got so full of Jesus that they began to sell themselves even into slavery. They would sell themselves uh, into, to work on ships and boats for no other reason than so they could minister to the others that were around them. That's the heart that God wants from us. You may have seen the movie Schindler's List. If you haven't, don't run out and rent it and say, Pastor Chris said, watch this because it's, it's pretty rough. But in this movie, a man who was a Nazi caught the heart of God and he began to rescue Jews from the concentration camps by going to the Nazis and even bribing them to get, to get them out. They would work in his factories. This is a man who was greedy to no end. But he caught the heart of God. And as the war was ending, he had saved over a thousand Jews from the concentration camps. And there's a scene, it's, it, it, it is one of the most heart-grabbing scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Where this man who had been nothing but a, a greedy piece of junk at the beginning has become this man who was on a mission. And as he walks into his factory after, after uh, the Nazis have surrendered, those Jews are standing there and they're applauding him for what he has done to save lives. He's given money, he's sold cars, he's, he's done all kinds of things to get them out. And as he's walking in and everybody's clapping their hands for him, he's overwhelmed with the fact that there he is still wearing a nice watch, still having an expensive pen. And he pulls it out. He goes, I could have rescued somebody else. With this watch, I could have rescued somebody else. 
When's the last time our heart was broken saying, I could rescue somebody else? We've got to have this heart if we're going to be the church that we've been called to be. We've got to be willing to sell it all for the king. I hope this is not coming across as heavy. I want you to know that you, if you are a born-again child of God, whether you are a member of New Covenant Church or not, you are called, you are equipped, you are anointed for a purpose in the kingdom. And it's to rescue people. Everything we do is to rescue people. And you may say, well, I'm not a good speaker. That's okay, you can smile. You can hug a neck. You can even do work behind the scenes that allows other people to be the ones out front. It's all for the kingdom. It's all for the kingdom. God wants to do something in East Texas. God wants to start something in East Texas that only he can be blamed for, that only he can get the glory for. And he's looking for people that will partner with him. I want us as a church to partner with him to build the kingdom of God right here. Would you bow your heads with me?